Listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. This week's episode sees Maya Rushin Slater in conversation with the Russian artist Kate NV. The, the most important thing is to be sincere, I guess, and um, honest with yourself, first of all. You can't pretend being sincere. Having worked previously with the Moscow Scratch Orchestra and Glint Shake, the Moscow based producer began working as Kate NV in 2016 introducing us to a striking experimental electronic pop that's at once warm-hearted and surreal. Here she talks us through her new album for Revenge International, Room for the Moon, and reflects on her musical journey from childhood to the present day. start off, uh, who are you and what do you do? Um, my name is Kate. Um, I live in Moscow and I make music. I think I can call myself a producer. I play some instruments, but I cannot say that I do it great. But I'm a producer and make music and I'm singer, songwriter. Um, well, yeah, that's it, I guess. <laughs> I'm 32 years old. I don't know what is what else to say. <laughs> Oh, you got your like uh, your dating profile summary of your identity going on there. Oh. Where you live, what you do. Yeah, we've, we've what covered I, what it all. I like, I don't know. I like sunny weather. Yeah. <laughs> do you like long walks on the beach? Uh, mm, I don't know. Like recently, I went to the mountains, um, and it's in the south of uh, Russia, and I realized that I always thought that I like uh, the sea more, but couple of like a week ago I realized that I I'd prefer mountains uh, so I don't know long walks on the beach probably is not it's not for me <laughs> a, a short walk on a mountain perhaps uh, yeah short walk be short walk uh sounds better it's just I don't know it's just like the air is so fresh and um I don't know the view it's kind of scary but at the same time mm, mesmerizing I don't know <laughs> Okay, it's so funny, like, uh, I don't know, I guess perhaps you've been doing interviews, like, all quarantine long, I don't know. Yeah, it's but, true, uh, it's, it's very, true. It's very unusual to be, like, talking to another human being again, kind of. <laughs> well, why? I mean, I got used to that. Um, I got used to uh, Zoom call, com- like, com- conferences and, um, like, all these calls through Skype, and uh, it just became a new reality, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all of these like disembodied voices, you just like having conversations with them. Okay, so I guess like when you were a kid, how did you kind of like first get into music? Like what was your original introduction? Were you listening to stuff? Were you playing instruments early on? Were you singing? Uh, Well, I started talking when I was one year old. Uh, it was pretty like yeah, uh, <laughs> all of my not to brag, but uh, <laughs> yeah, my relatives they were like they all wanted me to talk, and then when I started talking, they were like, oh my god, when will she finally <laughs> close her mouth? Because I was constantly <laughs> talking a lot, and um, yeah, then I started singing at the age of two. I think I I was I was singing already when I was two, I guess. But it's not like I, was, I wasn't, I was like, truly amazingly singing like a pro. But uh, I know that my mom told me when we moved to a new apartment, I was making circles on my bicycle. It was like a three-wheel bicycle, very small one. Um, I was cycling from one room to another, and I was forcing my parents to walk next to me and singing the same, like, kids' songs, circle by circle. <laughs> 
And yeah. they, of course, they wanted to skip all the, you know, like intros and uh, pauses between the verse and the chorus, you know, when the music is playing. Uh, and I was like, no, there is a like a solo on the synth. No, not I didn't know synthesizer, but I was I was like, there is a there is a pause between the verse and the chorus, and you just skip it. It's not it's it's not correct. And my mom was like, hmm, probably I should send her to a music school at least. At least she knows like the rhythm. She feels the rhythm. <laughs> it's not like I was singing mm-hmm. properly all the notes, but she was yeah. like, "Yeah, she definitely knows." And yeah, that was the moment when my mom realized that I'm really into music. And my dad, uh, he used to play guitar. He actually still plays guitar. I know. I don't know why I said he used to, but he still plays guitar. And he uh, um, made songs for me about the characters from uh, the fairy tales uh, that. My, my parents used to read a lot of books for me uh, and uh, yeah he wrote songs for me to sing uh, about characters from the books uh, so it was like very relatable <laughs> stuff and mm-hmm. uh, yeah we even I think uh, when it was four we did some contests and uh, I, I remember we even won one uh, we took a first place it was very funny because um uh, for the first place, I got a very shitty guitar, acoustic guitar. You know, like when you get the instrument and you immediately realize, even you are four years old, uh, you realize like this is this is not good instrument. It's just <laughs> it, it's just by the way, like you know the the texture, the feeling that you have from yeah. the object. It's not good. It's just uh, the way it was created. It's it's just like very lazy, and. Um, I was so disappointed because the the boy who got the second place, he got a huge uh, stuffed toy, you know, like uh, an animal, a dog. It was actually the size of the boy. I, I was like, why? <laughs> that was so, so stupid. And uh, I was four years old. And I remember I was very sad. And my parents were like, we'll, we'll buy you a toy. It was just like, okay. It was, I'm so, we, like, they were so sorry about this. So so confusing. Why would you um, give us a present uh, for the first place to a kid, a, a very bad instrument? It's just not motivating at all. So, yeah. But that's how it all started. And then I went to a music school when I was uh, seven and in Russia, we have like a separate system. Like you can go to an ordinary school with everyone and then you can also join any kind of art school. Like I also went later uh, to the school where I learned how to draw. And uh, it's like an art school. And I also, um, I've been studying music for like eight years. And I started with piano and then I went to a choir. And so I finished my music school as a, as a like my my specialization is choir so yeah but i learned how to play guitar later so yeah oh your specialization is choir yeah interesting yeah because i always wanted to sing and uh, i started as a pianist and uh two years later i just told my mom like i want to sing why i mean i'm just playing piano i don't like it and she was like yeah and what is cool about my mom, she was always asking me what I want to do. It's actually very cool that my, my mom gave me this, you know, sense of mm, an ability to choose and to think of what I want because it's, it's very helpful now because usually I know what I want, especially regarding the stuff that I make. Uh, sometimes I, I don't know what, what I want to eat, which is very confusing, but I definitely know what I want to make, which is very helpful. So I encourage parents to do this to ask their kids what they want because it's like my mom started asking me like from at, at a very young age so it's very cool yeah and how did you go from this kind of like conservatoire like background to making music that was like oh you know like punk like avant-pop uh, to doing synthesizer stuff how did you kind of like break into this less kind of academic music scene well in music school is not like um it's pretty uh, you know, it's like a basic uh, theoretical stuff. It's not very conservatory, complicated stuff that is that it usually put you into 
you know, boundaries, like in a box. And then you have to break this box. Because I, I, I wanted to go later to the conservatory, but all of my friends that I knew from conservatory, they always told me, like, you shouldn't go there. It's just like they put you in the box and then it's very hard just to... They set the boundaries and it's very hard to break it and etc. So, yeah, but... W- when you finish the school, usually, you know, you get really tired of all the rules. And I remember uh, when I was in music school, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't really inspired to make my own music. But as soon as I finished it, I was like, wow, I miss it. And I want to do something by myself. And that was a moment when I actually was like, wow, I can do a lot of stuff by myself. And I know something that can help me to do this. And uh, it was like a very short period of time from you know, finishing the music school and then entering the university. So I was just like making music. And I think that was a moment when I realized that I actually cannot not making music, you know, it's like you can stop. But when you know that you cannot, you just cannot stop. You just make it just because uh, you just can't live without it. So um, probably I realized it first time uh, when I finished the music school. Yeah, it's just like, uh, you close the door and then you kind of like I'm free. <laughs> I can I can do whatever I want, and then it's just it it could be depressing, but at the same time it's just wow it's cool I can try this and I can try this. And I always was a very pop person. I loved pop tracks and pop songs, and uh, it's not like I'm very avant garde or like experimental. I got really into this much later. Uh, when I moved to Moscow, I guess. But first of all, I'm 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 really I'm a really pop person, and uh, I like hooks and songs. I like catchy songs. I love melodies. So yeah, it's just um, my life somehow developed, and I went uh, through different stages, um, going from pop from pop to experimental stuff, and I think. A very important moment of my life was a moment when I got involved into the scratch orchestra because from that moment I kind of realized that uh, music, first of all, is everywhere and any kind of music can exist and um, I don't have to like it or like relate to this, but I kind of accepted everything, you know? Which is very, um, which is very interesting. It's almost connected to the way you perceive the reality. Because if you accept the reality the way it is, uh, the life becomes much uh, not easier but um, lighter, I guess. So the same thing happened to me regarding the music because I started thinking of music more like you know, um, like a person or like a texture or something like like an energy something or oh, it sounds very esoteric but it's just actually more about you know it's if if you compare it with people when you accept people the way they are it becomes a bit more lighter just the way you accept the whole reality reality it's the same with music and art uh, as opposed to trying to like control a person or like yes. control a sound or push something into like a specific yeah. genre direction or intention you're just kind of like accepting where yes it's uh, sometimes like when you want someone to be someone they don't want to be but you you have this picture that you think is going to be better for someone but it's not true you just have to accept that the person is the like the way it is is just the way it is and it's the same with music it's just you don't have to uh you don't have to put everything in your you know boundaries like that you can create your own boundaries but at the same time you you have to know and acknowledge the fact that the rest of the world can be the the, whatever it wants to be you know it's the same with music so scratch orchestra definitely influenced um a lot influenced me a lot yeah so you went from this kind of like, you know, in your like literally childhood years going to this kind of like musical academy, that's where you learned theory and then you're exploring pop, which has always been a kind of passion. And so for those that don't really know what it is, could you kind of like explain the Moscow Scratch Orchestra and then tell us a little bit about kind of when you joined um, up with them and then I guess like what your role in that project was? Well, it's it's a very weird uh 
organization. I don't know even how to call it. Uh, it's just a. Vi- it was a very random decision. I went to a concert uh, where um, three contemporary uh, academic musicians performed Stockhausen, and uh, in the end of the performance, uh, the guy who made this like concert happen and he just asked like random people whatever came like whoever came to the concert he asked if someone wants uh, to join him on the next concert because he he was like we're gonna play perform a piece by Cornelius Cardew um, called The Great Learning and there was no plan to create Moscow's Scratch Orchestra it just happened like on the way (laughs) and uh, very randomly I guess but all the people who came uh, on the first meeting they were all very weird like weirdos (laughs) but they're they're all great actually and um, the first concert was very also you know like the whole the whole thing was scratch orchestra was very confusing It's, it's just like sometimes I tell people that it that the this experience was quite traumatizing you know because for all of us for some of us actually it was like it was very traumatizing because you know when you change the way you perceive the world it's always like it could be very painful you know because you used to think like that and then you think like oh my god this is actually completely like different or anything like that and it's just Sometimes it's painful, but I'm really grateful that it all happened to to me. And I'm pretty sure that lots of people are grateful too. Uh, we do not play concerts anymore, but it was definitely like one of the greatest experiences of my life uh, because I also learned how to... It's not. I cannot say that I learned how to improvise, but I've never improvised before. And you know, when you have to improvise with like 26 people, you know, you have to listen so carefully to everyone. And also you have to deal with everyone's opinion, you know. Everyone has his or her own opinion on how music should sound at the moment. And sometimes it's not, it, it's, it, it has nothing to do with your opinion. <laughs> and you have to deal with that because, you know, you have to, um, to plant this level of respect to other people person playing music together with you and this is very important it actually taught me how to listen to people during this conversation you know making music uh, on the go is like a conversation it's just like you have to listen to a person you have to sometimes uh, take a pause and like don't like not playing anything and um, yeah it was a very very useful I guess experience it it really helped me a lot to to learn how to appreciate other people and to learn how to appreciate sounds and music in general. Yeah. So for those um, listening that don't know, um, Cornelius Cardew is an experimental composer, British experimental composer, and the Scratch Orchestra um, is like an experimental music ensemble. Um, and then there's an offshoot, the Moscow Scratch Orchestra, which Kate was a part of. Um, I'm really interested in, I guess, this kind of like the painful process of learning, which you kind of were touching on in the beginning there. Um, I guess like probably learning how to listen and have these kind of like uh, like newfound approaches to collaboration is one of those lessons. But I, yeah, I'd love it if you could kind of elaborate on what those lessons were, because I think, yeah, I, I resonate with that really deeply the yeah the the painful process of learning and uh yeah realizing that like the way that you approach something whether it's your art or sound a certain kind of listening or a certain kind of production um I guess like letting go of the fact that maybe if you believed that there was one way to do things or you were like doing it dogmatically like one way and then to realize like actually everything is much grayer, there is no black and white, and within that there's, like, a million different perspectives that you can, like, take on something. Yeah, that's And true. that could, like, completely change your whole perspective on composition or production. So, yeah, so I'm curious to know what those lessons were and I guess, like, um, why, that, why you found that painful or illuminating. Well, I think yeah. painful just because, you know, it's more like, um, you know... If we start talking about ego, uh, people usually think that like their 
their their ideas are the best or something like that. And playing in scratch orchestra, it was more like, you know, there is music and we all kind of serve the music. In the end, like all the ideas, uh, they're like equal, first of all. And some of the ideas, they could be greater than yours. And if you all serve to the idea of like music, it's more like, it's it's also it, it very it helps in uh, producing of the track for in, for instance, because um, it's very great to learn that probably your idea is not the best idea in the room at the moment and accept, very important yeah it, like when you accept this fact it becomes so much easier and lighter just because. Um, it helps the process. It helps the music first of all. It's not about the ego and the whole the, the great learning. Uh, the whole well, the the whole music piece is all about fa- founding the harmony within yourself, and uh, with the help of music, which is very interesting. It's more about like forgetting uh, your ego and letting it all like be the way it is, and also accepting all all the different variations and other persons. So it's very communicative thing. Um, so it's just like it helped me a lot to just you know listen to other people. That that that's it. That's it. Yeah, basically accepting other ideas and uh, choosing the best one. You know. Yeah, and I think like just to go back to what you were saying, I think earlier about just kind of when you accept reality or the reality of a situation, how it can become so much lighter. And I think that um, in like producing like pop music, experimental music, ambient music, um, I had just music in general, I guess. Uh, (laughs) There is like kind of this perception and the way that we frame it is like, there's like one star or one producer, one like artist who made it. And we like rarely talk about the fact that like behind every article, there's an editor and behind every song, there's like five friends that listened to it and gave their thoughts. Or there was like a collaborator that did this or there was someone on drums or someone mixing that. And I think like it's kind of similarly into the spirit that you're talking about, which is in general, music, there are no lone geniuses. And it is this kind of like very collaborative, all music is very collaborative, even if it's maybe not presented that way. Yeah, I actually um, always Google, uh, like, like I always uh, look for the articles about the songs that I like. And I always uh, look for the authors and who collaborated on the track. And then I go and on the link and uh, tap on the link and see what person also like, made and created with whom and etc so it's always interesting who created what and um, so yeah I'm, I'm that kind of person who knows that behind one like great personality like the artist could be like a team and I'm also I'm always uh, curious about the team it's very interesting I guess like to go back to the kind of Kate Envy project I know that like you're music has taken kind of lots of different identities throughout the time but for this particular project um when did that kind of first start um and I guess like you were saying earlier that you've always had kind of a very discerning idea of what you want to do creatively um so I guess like what was it that inspired the beginning of this project um and its first releases well it was late 2013 I guess and I just started making music by myself, like completely alone, which is which that that was very unusual for me. So K and V was the first time I tried to make music by myself, and it was very important because it was very scary. I don't know why. Now I, I just like wow, why? But you know, it's just very high high level responsibility probably, because uh, you cannot share anything. Like you know, you make everything by yourself, and you're like alone with this. Uh, which is is also like it's a very cool experience too, and uh, I mean collaborating collaboration is hard, and making everything by yourself is also in in some way hard. So um, when I started making music, I think I started uh, the main idea, not even an idea, but the feeling that I had. I really wanted to make a kind uh, kind pop music. I don't I don't know. It's just like I called it like I I was. That was 2013, and I had a feeling that I miss a kind and nice and just 
foolish pop music and I created an EP with three songs. Uh, they were like more like 90s vibe and I really I was really into New Jack Swing at the moment and uh, like late 80s and early 90s and um, I just wanted to create something uh, something nice and kind I don't know like the feeling like warm feeling and um, so yeah I just I tried and um, I guess I didn't get any kind of a feedback and uh, there was a moment when I thought well probably I should just do like um, Glean Shake my band was already <laughs> there in the world and uh, I thought that probably I just I should just concentrate on on a band and um, not like making my own project and as I remember as soon as I desi- decided to stop making solo uh, music I got um, an email from Red Bull Music Academy it's, it's interesting because I uh, I applied and um, uh, when you apply you see like they usually tell you like we're gonna announce ev- like we're gonna announce the participants uh, on that month on that day and then it didn't happen and I thought like okay I didn't I didn't I didn't get in and uh, they had to announce ev- everyone uh, a month later just because it was like the biggest I think they got the biggest amount of applications that year because it was in Tokyo so it was like more than 6,000 or something and um, yeah and the moment when I realized that I thought like okay I'm gonna stop doing music by myself like literally next day I got an email saying like hey you you get in and uh yeah uh, say hi to Tokyo and I was so happy that was like a sign uh and I was like okay universe I got a sign like I was wrong (laughs) it was very funny it's just like sometimes people think that they should stop uh making stuff and uh I just always tell them this story because I literally wanted to kill the project and uh, I got it an answer from the universe that I shouldn't do this and sometimes you just have to wait uh, yeah and it's just believe in something that you're doing and uh, truly like the the most important thing is to be sincere I guess and um, honest with yourself first of all and uh, you know people usually feel it um, it's it's it, it's hard to pretend really like you can't pre- you can't uh, pretend being sincere I don't know how to explain it's just like it's impossible <laughs> it's just like people feel it and you can always tell so I'm, I'm curious to know what your experience of going to Tokyo was like like yeah what was it like going there because obviously you have kind of like there's quite a big connection between um kind of like Japanese ambient and city pop and the kind of music that you've gone on to produce and I know that you've kind of spoken about um idolizing a lot of different kinds of Japanese producers from like varying um yeah kind of genres so what was that experience like for you going um did you feel like that deepened your connection well that was crazy not because of the Tokyo not because of like people usually think that um Japan is the craziest place on earth I guess but for me it felt like so normal I don't know how to explain it's just you know um Maybe it has some um, connection with the way I'm trying to perceive the world. You know, when you accept the reality, it's just like you just get there and you understand that. Uh, so when you're a kid and you see something something on the street, like a, a person wearing um, uh, a weird costume or like uh, a unicorn, I don't know, outfit. When you're a kid, you're like, wow this is amazing, this is, it's so cool, and you don't even question uh, why this person is wearing this suit, or like, why why this all happening, but w- sometimes people, when they, they uh, get older, uh, they like, they question, they question the, someone's choice, and uh, when you're a kid, you just believe it, you just, you just think of it as the way, like, you know, the person decided somehow, to wear this unicorn outfit and it's this person's choice and you just accept it and sometimes you forget to accept other people's choices and in Japan um, I saw lots of people on the streets wearing like weird stuff 
and it was absolutely no- normal. They were walking down the street and nobody questioned the, their outfits, their choices. And it's so cool. It's just like you get into this uh, environment. Um, kind of, It's kind of friendly. Like you can do whatever you want. I know that there are lots of, you know, restrictions too. And it's not that simple. But like um, on the first level, it looks so much better than in Russia right now. I mean, like if you... Um, in, in in Russia, for instance, if it's kind of it, it it's kind of dangerous to to um, you know to wear uh, some controversial stuff. Like, well, it's not even controversial controversial for too others. Too colorful or something like that. Not, yeah, not like too co- colorful, like... but you know that people would will judge you. I mean, when I was when I had uh, a blue hair. Uh, there once was a moment in in Moscow when people I was going uh, to the subway and there were like a company of like five or four uh, people. They just threw some garbage into my head just because I had blue hair, and it was like um, maybe five years ago. And uh, I mean, it still can happen. I believe so somewhere, not in the center of the city, but you know, it's just it's a bit harder. For people here to accept some some other people's choices, we have like lots of issues um, because of that. And well, I'm going into political stuff right now, kind of like very. <laughs> it's a it's political po- moment. <laughs> it's just, uh, but it's just it's very uh, people are like stuck here. You know, it, it feels like it feels. Mm, I don't know. You cannot move, actually. It's very hard right now. It used to be so much better, even in the 90s. But I don't know, just where we're going, I have no idea. It's just, it's kind of confusing. And if we talk about Tokyo, it's just, they have more freedom right now. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that I don't know everything. and uh, But it looks uh, much better that we have in Moscow, even. I'm not talking about small cities, um, but yeah, especially like, you know, Berlin was always like a good example for me. Uh, it feels like in, in Berlin, you can wear whatever you want. You can do whatever you can be what, like whatever you want and it's fine. And, um, you cannot be whatever you want in Moscow. Definitely. You have to, you have to pretend, um, which is very sad. And in Tokyo, yeah, it's just, I felt, I felt, uh, very good good even though uh, like you know lost in translation <laughs> and uh, people do not talk um they didn't well, well for well when was that six years ago so uh, six years ago it was very hard to communicate with japanese people because nobody knew english and i didn't know japanese i don't even know japanese now but it was very hard like you couldn't you couldn't even buy anything in the store because uh, all the descriptions were in japanese and you could just like guess by the pictures and pictures are great but sometimes it was like very random you just buy i, I just once i bought a lemonade and it was a beer <laughs> it just like the package was so nice with two cats on it and i thought that it's a lemonade but it was beer and i don't drink beer so i was like no <laughs> no it was very funny though do you think or it's very interesting cuz i think like you know, your music is very like carnivalesque and it and there's like this aesthetic to it, which is like super colorful and kind of surreal. And so there's like these absurdif- absurdist um, elements in the production. And you're saying that like kind of where you live is maybe not the most conducive environment to like a lot of those things, at least being like expressed publicly in the street or something like that. Do you find that like music is kind of your space to be able to kind of like approach the world in this way that you were like describing in Japan where you just like are excited by things and like embrace this kind of like childlike wonder I guess well I feel I feel this connection with Japan I guess because uh yeah it's true I mean it's I'm just I just wanted to to say that it's not like everything is so bad in Russia I mean I have lots of friends that are brave and they do whatever they want it's just the situation right now it's not really healthy and it's getting somewhere <laughs> especially especially right now with uh, Belarus uh, and everything happening in that country 
Um, yeah, so it's just we going somewhere, uh, somewhere in, in darkness, and um, like even a year ago, it, it was a bit better. And um, my music is colorful and uh, joyful because I'm the kind of person, and uh, I'm I'm just like I'm trying to create my reality as joyful as possible, just because I I love the way. Um, I love it this way. So it's 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 all it's also the way you perceive it. And um, but sometimes you just cannot you you, you just cannot ignore uh, the rest of the world. And like this year was very intense, and it's still intense, and it's going to be intense. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I just cannot close my eyes. And I I mean I understand that I live in it's not like a separate world, but I know that my circle of friends is completely different of uh, um and uh from from someone who lives like in a very like small city um in the s- suburbs and uh it's not like well i can i can tell that i'm in some way i'm privileged comparing to them and um it's just <laughs> oh it's a very hard topic <laughs> something that you said i was reading one of your interviews which i like f- thought was really interesting and that I really resonated with is thinking about like fairy tales and children's television Mm -hmm. shows and stuff like this as something that is on the surface very kind of like goofy and like funny but there the actual meat of it there's like something quite real being said or it's a kind of deep actually even if maybe it could be passed off as something kind of silly and another thing I was reading you saying was that like actually when you wrote the last record that it was kind of like coming out of a very lonely isolated time in your life yeah it's true but (laughs) so I'm kind of like interested in I guess yeah this processing of the world which is obviously coming through in your music or do you feel like you use your music as like kind of an uh an escape or if it's or is it more uh I guess like exerting a different perspective it's a good question uh I always think like you know I never thought of my music as an escape uh, because I'm trying to be as present as possible at the moment. But also, I can definitely say that I don't like being sad or nervous. And I'm trying to keep my head above the water all the time because um, it's very, you know, energetically um exhausting you know being in a stressful position all the time so definitely um i cannot even say that uh, making music is a therapy for me but definitely it's the most when i make music i'm the most i'm the happiest person probably um yeah and it's like my favorite thing to do and also to cycle <laughs> and uh it's just do you ever sing on your bike <laughs> Uh well yes, <laughs> but when when there's no one around because yes same I'm, yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm very shy it's like maybe at five a.m. in the morning when like, yeah, everybody yeah. is asleep and I'm cycling home from somewhere and yeah I can I can definitely sing yeah I like it and um, so yeah it's not like an escape but um, you know this record when I was making this record uh, it was. Most of the tracks that were written um, in different period of my life, so it's like Sayonara was uh, recorded like four years ago. So it's more like this album was more like a compilation of songs created in different period of my life, and uh, I just like few of them I finished them and recorded them like last year, but I uh, finished them all together. Um, like a year ago, and it was, yeah, I was pretty lonely. But I guess, you know, the context that is happening right now, that we have right now this year, is going to influence me um, in a couple few months, you know. I'm like a sponge, I usually get the information and I have to, you know, um, somehow rework it and then one day it will affect me, but it's not like I get, I get it, and then immediately I you get the result. Uh, mm, so it's it's not like a reflection, immediate reflection. And um, in that in 
in that way I cannot say that it's it's like escape. It's just uh, me being a pretty joyful person, I guess, uh, in the world full of crazy stuff. <laughs> so yeah, but definitely there are few few songs on the record that that are more I can I can call them not sad but not even melancholic but well they're definitely not that joyful as uh, I thought they could be like a couple of years ago you like know? bitter bittersweet or something maybe bittersweet or? yeah good good word mm-hmm. yeah bittersweet <laughs> something like that what and so okay so what was the process behind making this album so if we went from if we're talking about the first Kate and V you know, releases like the EP and the record, um, which were like a lot more poppy and year first kind of forays into producing on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last record, like four was much more, um, yeah, much more experimental kind of ambient and uh, produced on a Bukla. Is that correct? No, no, no. Uh, like the Bukla stuff or? is uh, no, 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 no. The bu- like I, I recorded some stuff using Bukla synthesizer a year ago, and I didn't, uh, I haven't used it yet. So, um, yeah, it's coming. You haven't so, released it yet. It's coming. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, it's coming. Um, I have like five hours <laughs> of Bukla, so You're I just. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. You know, like people go to Bukla and they just start recording, and it's like endless, endless <laughs> conversation. You know, five hours is not even a lot. I know a guy who recorded. This like, is a in in Sweden, right? Or in Sweden, it was in Sweden. Uh, it's a very famous uh, studio called EMS, and they have Bukla and they have lots of other synthesizers. But I booked the studio uh, with Bukla. Uh, my manager Ron helped me to do this, and. Uh, so yeah, uh, it was it was fun. Though first few days were quite stressful because I didn't know how to work with Bukla, and it's interesting because that was uh, that was my fight with the machine, and it's funny because that was the moment when I realized finally that I want from the machine to become a human, which is ridiculous because this machine was created to avoid uh, the human and. Uh, it was very interesting because at that moment of my life, I realized that I want to work as much as possible with humans, like with uh, with my friends playing different instruments, because it's very interesting. And uh, it's like li- playing live shows and like dancing and singing, not like uh, sitting in front of the devices. That was like the last uh, thing in in this journey because i've been traveling for a year and a half playing um improvisations by myself together with devices and i i was so tired of sitting in front of the table full of different knobs and like watching them and thinking about like ah what should i play next what would, what is going to going to be how is go, how is it going going to sound and uh, that was like i mean i'm really tired of this and um the last moment with Bukla just showed me that I miss, you know, this body thing, like movement of other people's bodies probably sounds very weird, but it's just, uh, I really missed uh, the human being in music, like even voice, because I uh, had a moment a couple of years ago when I felt that I don't want to sing, and I was trying to make my life program uh, with less songs. It was before making the Love record. So, and then I recorded this album and I was like, yeah, finally, I can avoid singing. And then by the end of this whole journey, I just realized I want, I want to sing again. And that was the <laughs> moment when I, yeah, it's true. It's just like very, like a physical desire just to sing, you know, which is, which is also very interesting because I know that there, there is a, uh, there is a therapy thing, like by singing, because sometimes absolutely, yeah, yeah. There's something that's stuck in your body, and you just have to not even talk, but say, but but sing. And uh, I never thought about it before that, and then I just realized that I got so much in, like, in myself, and I just wanted it to be out, and I wanted to move finally, not to sit in front of the table, but to move. 
And uh, with this album, I had a plan before the pandemic happened just to travel and play together with a band without playing any instrument except singing and just like, you know, dancing. And uh, that was was like, uh, yeah, that was my honest uh, desire, like really like a true desire just to dance and sing and do nothing. Because before that, I also had, um, you know, the feeling that I have to prove someone that I know how to use devices, you know, being a girl, you know, a couple of years ago, it was like, uh, it's it's getting, it's getting like better now. But like four years or five years ago, it was like, yeah, she's a girl. She doesn't know how to how to I don't know uh, produce or whatever and I had a feeling that I have to prove that I know how to use the devices and now I have a feeling like whatever they think I don't care (laughs) I I just I just want to sing and dance and that's it probably they will think that everyone everything was composed by I don't know the bass player I don't know but I don't care so that's the thing I, I just don't care what other people will think like really and uh, but it's it's cool because uh, you know I had to go through all this. It was like quite long journey, but I'm grateful for every second. And uh, you know you have to, you know it's it's not like some somebody can show you the road, but you have to go. Uh, you have to go by yourself. You know it's just like so yeah. In Room for the Moon, though, you were collaborating a little bit more than with previous records. You were, like, working with another group of musicians. Is that right? Or... Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's... who who were those musicians? And I guess, like, what was your setup? Like, I know that it was a little bit more improvisational. Um, so, yeah, could you tell me a little bit about, I guess, what the process of making that album was like um, behind the scenes? Usually I always start something by myself. And uh, I never, you know, I never forced music to be something at the moment. You know, I started start recording something out of the scratch from scratch, and I just don't don't know what it, what is going to be uh, a track, like an ambient track, or maybe it's going to be a song. I never know. And uh, it's more like you you start hearing something in your head, and then you just add sounds, and you just let it happen you know basically it's more it's it's the same basically as 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 improvisation you just let the music happen and with collaborators sometimes um you just feel that this person uh can understand you i can and can understand the music that you make and um for instance uh my old collaborator the the guy who played bass on most of the tracks Zhenya, uh he also plays guitar in my band Glenshake and uh, yeah we, we've been uh, writing songs for Glenshake for so long and we know t- uh, each other so well so usually when I ask him like to play something on the bass guitar I usually don't have to say anything at all like I usually just show him something and he plays exactly like even so, even better that I had in my mind or something like that and sometimes we just jam more like a f- doing like foolish s- sketches like ra- random sketches and then um, I just chop the samples and cut 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 and like yeah it's just <laughs> the way it is but other collaborators also uh like vladimir luchansky um, is also a saxophone player who plays a lot with lean shake and that's how i know him he lives in saint petersburg and i sent him some sketches uh just asking like hey can you just randomly play whatever you want and then um he sends me back some files and i uh, choose something that i like but it also like you know it's a it's a question of trust i guess and uh the the vibe you know i guess when when you collaborate with person uh the vibe is very important you should be on on the same page i guess and you, you should be like not similar because uh it doesn't make any sense <laughs> you shouldn't be similar but the way you perceive uh the music should be kind of the same but the vibe is more important basically you know uh it's the same rule like it's it's not like i'm collaborating with these people because they are professionals and they 
uh, good at playing saxophone and bass guitar. It's basically because they're great people and I would drink lemonade with them or I don't know. It's just because it's very nice to hang out with them. It's just, it's, it, it works everywhere. I mean, it's nice to work with people that uh, you enjoy being together with, uh, like your friends. It's just, it's the same. Because um, I think music, like to me, I, I know that lots of people create music in very unhealthy uh, environment and it works for them. But for me, I cannot make music when I'm in stress or... Uh, I don't feel well emotionally. So for me, it's very important to have this nice feeling that it's not like it's all good, but the feeling of something happy, great, that you're doing something great and you like the moment, the process. Because, you know, the pro process is yours and the result is like for everybody else. And the process is the moment that you want to save in your memory as like something that you really enjoyed. And that's why it's very important to collaborate with people that you love and you like and you admire. So, yeah. And uh, other collaborators, I met them during the Academy, Red Bull Music Academy. That was in Berlin uh, two years ago. It was the last one, an anniversary one, and the last one, unfortunately. And they are all awesome. I went there not as a participant, but as a studio team member. Uh, so I, I was on the other side. And I just started a few tracks there, uh, just randomly. Not even with participants, but like alone. And then I just asked, uh, because, because there are a few people that I've been hanging out with the, the most and uh, we had a very nice like you know um, yeah communication vibe and uh, it was all of these tracks that they have featured it was more like hey do you want to record something and literally Nami Sato she was passing by the studio I was sitting in <laughs> and I was like do you want to read something on this track and she's like yes sure and she just improvised and uh, it was like very it's it's interesting because it was very immediate but very intimate moment. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just the way she just started, uh, like saying words. I cannot do this in my own native language. I cannot, you know. And it's also like the lyrics are pretty so strong, and uh, I don't know which uh, which track are you talking about, Luna. Uh, because Nami, she's Japanese, and she, I just thought that it would be cool if she would just, like, mel declamate, and I had no idea what she's saying, and then I, I found out the translation. So she just was fully improvised off the top of her head, y yes. what you hear in the track. Yes, it's improvisation, wow, okay. and it's amazing, <laughs> yeah, is, and yeah. it's so strong, and so... Uh, and so gentle, and so intimate, I don't know, I was so, wow, I, I cannot do this. Like, even in Russian, I cannot do this. It's just insane. Uh, I love her so much, and she's so, so cool. And she's so shy. And at the same time, you know, she, she's, she used to be so shy all the time. But at, uh, on the moments when she had to make music, she was so confident, which is, she was like a warrior, you know? It's just like doing, like, exactly, like, you know, without any doubt and it, it was it, i don't know it was so impressive i'm still impressed actually she's she's very cool yeah and queen alton uh is a very cool i'm uh, sorry like a little last guy <laughs> so the queen uh, so queen he's very cool also and uh he's a uh, um he he's based in, in london he's a very talented dude and he plays i guess he plays everything he plays any instruments i guess even those instruments that he doesn't know that he can play, I think he can play. And uh, he's super talented. It is true. It's just, he, I mean, he can do a band by himself, like, alone. I think if he could clone himself, I guess he would do that. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, he's super talented. And he also recorded the bass uh, just, you know, like, in one minute or two, I don't know, very fast from one take. And uh, the same with saxophone for the track Duna. Uh, it was just like very 
like tada here he comes and uh, he also he also has a clear vision uh of what he wants and uh he also you know accepts any kind of music i guess and uh he, he immediately feels the vibe which is also very important because you know i didn't have to tell him anything i was just like you can like play something and maybe i get gave some advices but i mean he understands everything by himself it's just like it, it was very easy and the last one is marco Passarani, um who was also in the studio team he was passing, literally also passing by, uh, and uh, there was marimba in the room uh, where I was sitting, and he just started playing the marimba because he he doesn't know how to play marimba. He was just like starting playing marimba, and he played a very like uh, short um, melody, and then in the end I used it in the track. So it was just like literally in in the academy. The best thing in the academy was that people were like walking through. Uh, the studios and you know like you kind of interrupt the, the process but at the same time you become the part of the process and sometimes you just leave like probably one sound but it, it's still in the track and it's so funny because it's just like people circulating uh all around the studios and it's just leaving some small uh notes and sounds in all, like other people tracks which is amazing so yeah you've spoken a bit about how the kind of album is is inspired by fairy tales or is kind of in itself a fairy tale and the songs are these kind of like their own individual characters in a way um how much was that something that you kind of like intentionally thought about and set out to achieve um preemptively or was it more just like when you reflected on the body of work as a whole i'm i'm referring to room for the moon uh, your most recent record on revenge mm-hmm. um yeah, how or was it the case where you looked at the body of work afterwards and realized that like they all had their kind of like own distinct personality and just so happened to kind of like fit within that framework? Oh, I think I think it was afterwards. Uh because usually when I create something, I never you know, I, um as I said before, I never force music to be something um uh, something else. And in the end I just see like like I like you know i have like lots of songs and then i think like okay they kind of uh not look but they sound good together and it's more like you know getting a team together under one roof so it's it's more like thinking of the whole atmosphere and um you know also sometimes when you finish the song you just have these associations mm, not even musically but emotionally I don't understand how, like, I don't know how to explain. It's easier to explain with the scent, like a perfume. You know, sometimes you hear the perfume, like the scent somewhere in the street, and you immediately remember something from your life, from childhood, something like that. And that was the same with these tracks. Most of them had this kind of weird feeling uh, coming from the childhood. And I connected it with fairy tales because... I don't know why, it's just like my own vision of the tracks. It's just the feeling that I have when I listen to them. It feels like it, it it's coming somewhere from my childhood, from those uh, weird movies that I've been watching when I was a kid and from something magical, but at the same time created by like normal people somewhere in the studios, you know, and you can definitely tell that it was created by hands, but it's still very magical. And this, this, you know, feeling of uh, something mystical, kind of not even dangerous, but it's like a secret. You don't know what it's going to be like, but at the same time, you have this warm feeling that it's just, like maybe the story is pretty dark, but at the same time, it's very warm and nice and kind. And in the end, it's going to be like everything is going to be fine. So this this is like a very um, complicated bouquet of uh, emotions. So it's not it, I cannot say that it was intentional, you know, to compare it with fairy tales. But I just felt it like, you know, coming from my core somewhere deep inside it it, it just happened that way kind of yeah 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 so what so you have 
you've got five hours worth of Buchla recordings. Uh, <laughs> the singing, the singing improvisational project perhaps is a bit COVID-19 unsafe. Um, <laughs> so what are you kind of like working on now? Um, have you been making music in quarantine? Like what have you been up to, I guess? Um, and what's next? Or, well, it's kind of a loaded question, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the quarantine was pretty uninspiring. Uh, I think from, for lots of people, and um, especially, I would love to say first two weeks, but it was like f- few months. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but now I feel so much better. I'm still, you know, uh, during the quarantine, I've been editing the videos most of the time, you know, because um, it was easier for me to do the routine part uh, than creating something from scratch, you know. Because, like, you have something already filmed and then you have to edit it and, like, put it in a package the way you want to present it to the public. So it's different. But, like, doing something from scratch was like, oh, I just can't. Uh, which is fine, I guess. I, I mean, I've heard I've heard from people that it's fine. So, yeah. I but think it's it, fine. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, but I'm, um, I actually finished like I had, I have another album finished, and I finished it together with Room for the Moon, so I'm pretty fine. Like I have some stuff, <laughs> and uh, you got just, another album in the pipeline. Yeah, another finished, full finished album. Yeah, wow. It, from yeah. also from the past, like four or five years that you were making simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does it feel very different from it what you a, made, or is it, that is that's a totally different journey for you, or well, it's still feels like me because I think uh, every track that I make feels like me Um, but it's different from Room for the Moon because it's not um, like you know uh, when I make tracks I mean I can definitely tell oh this one is going to this team and this one is going to that team and it's just they're still kind of the same but they're different and that the album is more is more like I cannot say experimental. What is experimental in 2020? I don't even know. What is experimental music? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, Neither do I. <laughs> it's just a very weird, old-fashioned um, term. Yeah, term. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like same as under, underground. Yeah. What is underground yeah, in sure. 2020? Yeah. It's just I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Really, even avant-garde is like, what is avant-garde right now? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's branding i guess <laughs> uh, yeah well or i mean something yeah i don't know k- kind of you can well still i don't know uh i don't i don't like uh well i understand why people uh put everything in, in to different genres because it's very it's it's easier to it's easier to understand to place like yeah of. to place but i'm not that, that kind of person i prefer just you know well whatever anyway this this uh another album is more is less songs i would say <laughs> it's, it's more <Yeah>. like tracks <laughs> less songs but, more sounds less song le- less uh voice i would say more sounds okay so okay. it's yeah it's more it's more abstract let's say that, like this this way abstract is a good wor- word okay so yeah okay it's more abstract okay yeah but in in plans, I also want to record an EP or something like that uh, with a guitar. So it's just like something, not even not not like Glean Shake uh, because I have Glean Shake as a band and I don't want to do something like that as a solo artist. But I feel like I need to I need to spend more time with my guitar and it's more like uh, the way to to show her my appreciation so electric yeah. or acoustic guitar album electric think? guitar i have a electric trauma guitar with acoustic album. guitar okay, so i have i was traumatized yeah, right, by right of course guitar. let's not bring your childhood acoustic guitar trauma back <laughs> yeah but it's true i cannot i cannot stand acoustic guitars that's a confession to make i mean i've i think lots of people will be like oh my god but it's true i just cannot i cannot i, I cannot do anything with myself i just i can't i can't play acoustic guitar that's it <laughs>